live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours. How are you? Chill outside on this Monday, April 24th, the year 2023. I hope whatever your plans were for the weekend, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful time. Thanks so much for dialing us up. We'll be here for the next two hours from two to four uh, as we are every day, Monday through Friday. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west down I-10. And you'll find KLCJ. We're also on there, 1041 in Lake Charles. Streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on and watch us because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, where football is king, there is a new king um, who seemed to be better than he was a year ago. Tiger quarterback Jaden Daniels was really impressive, completing 10 of 11 passes for 168 yards and two touchdowns to lead LSU's number one offense against the number one defense. One of the big points of contention, throw the ball down the field. And Daniels took multiple deep shots across the afternoon game, including a 70-yard pass to Kyron Lacey, who looked like Odell Beckham Jr. on the first play of the game. Ball was a little high, but he threw it up there. Lacey, the former Raging Cajun, made made the completion, broke a tackle, and scored a touchdown. He looks like he's going to be a big-time player. If Daniels can continue to improve, stay healthy, the ceiling in Brian Kelly's second season, yeah, pretty good. Did you see the Colorado spring game? Uh, The first one for Deion Sanders as the head coach of the Buffaloes? They hosted fewer than 2,000 fans back in 2022, just a year ago, with Deion Sanders on the sideline and snow coming down like crazy. The Buffaloes fielded a packed house of 47,277 to watch Deion Sanders coach his team on the field. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Um now they got a lot of players entering the portal. Alabama held their A game, their spring game, and they're holding one of the most high-profile quarterback competitions in the nation. Sophomore Jalen Milrow, freshman, redshirt freshman Ty Simpson. They were both inconsistent, inconsistent in their efforts. They combined for three interceptions on 63 pass attempts. 
They've got some work to do at the most important position on the field if the Crimson Tide are going to return to national contention. But after losing to the Raging Cajuns in a midweek game, LSU baseball swept Ole Miss, improving to 32-7 and overall, 12-5 and in the SEC. Um, dramatic fashion on Sunday, two outs, down, two runs, top of the ninth, and all of a sudden, um, you get a, a walk to Jared Jones. You get a Braden Joe Bear hit by pitch. Alex Malazzo's due up to bat. Jay Johnson says, no, 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 you come back. Hayden Travinsky go in there and pinch hit. And it paid off. Falling behind in the count one to two. Travinsky launched a go-ahead three-run homer over the left field wall. It was a never-in-doubter as soon as it left its bat. Put the Tigers on top seven to six. It was his first home run of the season, and it came at the most important time. Gavin Guidry, the freshman shortstop, turned closer, then got um, gave up a, with one out, gave up a double. Uh, then with a the potential go-ahead run at the plate, Gidry got two flyouts to secure the save and give LSU its first SEC sweep of the season. Pretty good. One bit of concern starting pitching. Well, um, you get what you get from your Friday night starter. High Florida on Saturday. Christian Little on Sunday pitched season-long outings. All three starters went five or more innings. Pretty good. Um, Little picks five and a third, allowed just three runs on six hits with three strikeouts and one walk. Of the 86, seven pitches he threw, 60 were strikes. Uh, fielding got much, much better. Uh, we will find out what happened to third baseman power hitter Tommy Tanks White, who exited Sunday's game for no apparent reason. Uh, then we were told it was injury-related. Um, we'll find out as we go through our guests today what the status is as uh, Jake Johnson held his Monday press conference, and we'll see what he has to say. Next up, the Tigers return to action 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, Tuesday. They host Nichols. Nichols. Um, LSU softball, the 15th-ranked Tigers, completed a series sweep of Mississippi State with an eight-run rule, 8-0-run rule win yesterday um remember uh this uh this four-star athlete from lafayette christian academy Jawan johnson uh he has decommitted from colorado i'm gonna say this because of his three finalists colorado florida and lsu so he's a quarterback everybody thinks he's going to project as a cornerback so we'll see what happens there, but he is back in it. Uh, Glenn West will join us from Go247 Sports. We'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about spring football. We are draft week is here. Chris Roseverglue will join us, give us his last thoughts prior to Thursday's opening round of the draft. The NBA playoffs continue. Um, we've got some games tonight as uh, it will be the – Miami Heat at home hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. Miami leads the series two games to one. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo was at shoot-around today practicing, so looks like he'll be good to go. The Lakers host the Grizzlies in L.A. with the Lakers leading two games to one in that series. The best series to date has been the Warriors and the Kings. Uh, the Warriors, despite a call timeout by Steph Curry when the Warriors had no timeouts left, they held on to a 126-125 win to even their series at two games apiece. It's a battle of the guards. De'Aaron Fox, the former Kentucky Wildcat left-hander, had 38. Steph Curry led the Warriors with 32. So these playoffs are really, really good. Boston with a three games to one lead over Atlanta. Uh, the Timberwolves salvaged their season with a 114-108 win over Denver in overtime yesterday. Denver leads that series three games to one. So uh, two games tonight, Bucks Heat, Grizzlies, Lakers. Ali Cassell will join us. We'll talk more about the NBA playoffs. And then Blake Rafino will join us as well uh, with his thoughts on the spring football game. Let me throw a caveat. I never give a spring football game a grain of salt. I've seen too many. I've seen too many players stand out in the spring, and when the fall comes, they don't even smell the field. So we'll take it with a grain of salt. Um, I didn't see any of it, to be quite honest with you, but I know my guests did, and we'll let them explain to you. So it's 11 minutes after the hour, and let's take our first time out of the day. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk LSU spring football. We'll talk LSU baseball after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Well, if you haven't seen the defending World Series champs, no worry. Because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland Athletics on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Awards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways, powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we are back. It is uh, 16 minutes after the hour. We're waiting on uh, Glenn West. Go 247 Sports. Um for his take on LSU spring football, LSU baseball. Um, again, you know, you just you just have to take things with a grain of salt and you have to observe and you have to, you know, you could, the, the best news of the whole spring game was no injuries. That's the key. That is the key. So, um, and if anybody was even close to having a little nick here or there, they held them out, which is smart. Absolutely the, the, the right thing to do. So quarterback play, I mean, it's nice to have 
um, what LSU has. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, buts, maybes about it. Um, I think, I think Jaden Daniels is going to be the best quarterback in the league. All right, Glenn West joining us via the infamous cell phone. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm terrific. We got a lot to talk about, a little bit of time to do it. So let's get busy. Um, spring football, your impression of what, what stood out to you? Yeah, so I think probably first and foremost is if you're an LSU fan, I think you should be, um, you know, you should be really confident that you, you know you've got two quarterback options that can help lead you to a championship. I mean, uh, Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer uh, were fantastic. I thought that they both handled the first team reps uh, extremely well. Uh, starting with Jaden, I thought he was really, uh, really solid. Just you know, making his decisions, making his reads. Uh, you know, you open things up with a 70-yard touchdown uh, catch and run to Kyron Lacey, but he was spreading the ball around a lot. He was making good reads. His decision, his decision making, I thought was as good as we've seen it. And I think part of that just comes from being more comfortable in the offense, having another uh, spring practice session here to really get with these guys and uh, kind of lock in on that chemistry. I thought that you really saw that. Uh, with the first-team offense. And same thing with Nussmeyer. I mean, he fires a 51-yard uh, bomb to Brian Thomas on, I believe, in the first half. And it was like, oh, well, we've seen that before. He can do that. Um, but the, the the thing with Nussmeyer is, obviously, you were hoping that he would um, improve just in terms of his feel of the game and uh, just, just how he was progressing uh, in, in managing an offense. And I think you've really seen that in spades this year, uh, certainly – uh, with that game on Saturday, and I just thought the first team offense really dominated. It was kind of my uh, feeling going in that that would be the case, and it was nice to see uh, those guys capitalize on that. Glenn West with us. Um, area of concern after what you saw, and, and look, it's it's hard to take away anything from a spring game. I grant you that. I understand that. Any areas of concern that you go, okay, well, they're going to have to really work on that in the fall uh, to get where they want to get. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think in the secondary, um, you, you, there were some missed tackles. Um, certainly, some some uh, just not not just they weren't very consistent in the secondary, and that's that's okay because they welcome in seven of eight new cornerbacks in that room uh, that are on scholarship. You know, those they're all new, and they've got to work those guys in. Uh, you saw Greg Brooks, the safety, the, the veteran safety, missed tackle. Um, I, I think probably the missed tackling was the, the biggest area of quote unquote concern you could have. Um, but I think overall, it, if we're grading that on a scale of one to 10, I'm still probably at like a three or a four just because, okay. uh, you know, spring is, it's really hard to take any big sweeping takeaways from a spring game. These guys are yeah. still learning each other. They were mixing and matching guys throughout the entire afternoon. And so, um, you know, and you were also going against the first team offense that, quite frankly, has had a whole year together for the most part, and and has uh, certainly kind of grown closer. You can see over the last over that time period of playing in these actual SEC games, and so I, I just thought it was it was a little bit of a rough day for the secondary, but I, I don't think it's a major concern right now, uh, just because they, they they still believe in the talent and the potential that's in that room. Glenn Harold Perkins, inside linebacker. What did you see? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he was very good. Uh, he, I think probably the biggest thing that you can really 
uh, takeaway from 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 that is they're they're going to attack him from all angles. And uh, he there was one point I think in the first half where he absolutely blew up uh, freshman running back Trey Holly, and it was definitely a welcome to the SEC kind of hit on Trey Holly in that game. Um, but it, he came from the middle, and, and like it was it was a big big hit. And like I think probably the the best thing that you're going to be able to get out of Harold Perkins next year is you're going to be able to line him up all over the field uh, and just go let him make plays. I mean, he's not going to be restricted to just one side of the field or one position. Uh, Being an inside linebacker is going to allow him to roam the field, be all over the place. I think we're going to really see him take off next season. And it was good to see uh, LSU kind of lean into that a little bit uh, in the, you know, in the early part of spring. Uh, Glenn, I was told that uh, the kicking game needs some work as well. It looks like there's no starter between Ramos and Dybert at this point in time. Uh, this could be a revolving door. What's going on there? Yeah, they 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 they've got to figure out the kicking thing. Uh, I, I they, both Ramos and Dybert missed kicks um, on Saturday. Uh, Brian Kelly said afterwards that this is going to be a, a competition heading into the fall. Um, I don't think that you can really. Uh, unless you find an, an ace in the hole in the portal here in the next couple weeks, um, you know it's going to be another one of those situations. I think where until one of them proves consistently that they can, you know, put it through the uprights, they're going to be very uncomfortable throwing them out there. I mean, they were very restrictive of what they did with Ramos last year. Um, you know, they, they really forty yards and in was his range last year. They didn't really trust him. I don't think to hit a whole lot outside of that range. Um, but, you know, look, they, they, they like Dybert's leg. They think he's going to be a guy they can count on. Um, but there, there's just not, uh, not a whole lot of, I guess, optimism right now that they have a clear front runner for that job. Any newcomers stood out to you? Uh, so yeah, I think probably if you're looking at newcomers, I, I would certainly start uh, along the defensive line, I thought they had some really good showings. Ovi Agofu was 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 really good. Uh, freshman Jackson Howard, uh, who's a guy that they brought in uh, from up north, was really solid as well. He's a guy that's about six five, six six, um, and 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 looks every bit the part of a guy who can con- contribute next fall. Uh, I thought both of those guys had their moments. They had some flashes. Uh, Paris Shand on the inside uh, certainly had some good moments as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think most of the, most of the newcomers did a, did a fine job in terms of, uh, knowing where to be and, and, and kind of con- and on the defensive side of the ball, but yeah, they, it's still going to be a work in progress on the D de- on defense. They, they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of areas that they still got to shore up and certainly they have a lot of players that they're going to mix back in as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how all that works out in the fall. Glenn West, go to 47 Sports. We'll get more on football. Plenty of time to talk about that. LSU baseball gets a sweep of Ole Miss. Dramatic fashion on Sunday with a uh, two-out, three-run home run to uh, to get it done by Hayden Travinsky. The big question is, to, for me, to you, Jake Johnson had a press conference today. What's going on with, um, with our uh, tank third baseman uh, who left the game <laughs> early right what happened yeah so he uh he nicked up his leg a little bit on saturday uh and was a little bit sore uh going into the game on sunday tried to play through it they decided to just take him out he was feeling a little too much pain 
uh, in that leg. But it's a uh, it's a day to day thing. Uh, from what Johnson described today, uh, I don't think he's going to be out super long term. You know, he might sit tomorrow uh, for the midweek game. Um, but I would expect him to be back in the lineup this weekend. I don't know that for sure. Um, but he's he's a guy that you know. Look, you saw it in that Sunday game late in the game when it was you know tie game in the eighth inning. They didn't have Tommy White backing up Dylan Cruz, and they intentionally walked Dylan Cruz in a scoring position. So, you know, I don't think that happens if you have Tommy White backing him up. So, uh, they, I think LSU hopes that they're going to get him back soon. But he's a obviously a really integral piece to LSU's success. Well, Cruz had quite the weekend, didn't he? Golly, six yeah, alive. Yeah, that didn't matter <laughs> much, but yeah, he was fine. <laughs> he was fine. Um, Starting pitching was always a big concern. You know what you get with Skeens, but the fact that both Ty Floyd and Christian Little gave you five or more innings, that's that's a sign and a step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. It was a career outing for Ty Floyd um, on Saturday. Uh, he gave up one three-run homer, uh, but pitched zeros for the rest of the, night, uh, for the, rest of the day uh, in eight and a third innings. I mean, that's that's exactly what you're hoping to get out of a starter. Uh, and, and that's been kind of the the struggle for, I think, LSU this season is they've had some really solid performances from their starters, um, but they just haven't been able to go very long and extend into these games. And it's put a lot of stress on the bullpen, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of the talk has gravitated towards who can, who can LSU really rely on out of the bullpen instead of, uh, man, what 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 can we get out of these starters? How can we get them to extend a little bit further? And I think you saw the benefits of having Paul Skeens go seven innings, of having Ty Floyd go eight innings, Christian Little go yeah. five and a third. Uh, it really takes a lot off the bullpen. It allows LSU to be flexible with who they use and in what situation they use them in. Uh, and and everybody, I think, on the pitching staff uh, had a pretty nice weekend for the most part. I thought it was a really, really well-done series for, for LSU and kind of the, the blueprint you hope to see moving forward. Yeah, they, um, boy, they're, they've opened up a two games lead in the loss column over Arkansas. LSU's 12 and five, Arkansas's 11 and seven. Boy, this is a good road team. They're eight and two on the road this year, 22 and four at the box. So 32 and seven overall. Um, not bad. Uh, they're impressive. They just stabilize things. Now they've got Alabama coming to the box and, uh, Alabama's nine and nine in the season, so nothing to sneeze about. You got to take it, take advantage of your opportunities. But um, you feel a lot better about LSU baseball after, of course, after after a sweep. But in the manner that they did, and and coming from behind late like they did, man, those those are the kind of games that build the character that you need. Oh yeah, I mean, look, being down to your final strike and to get a, a three run homer from your backup backup catcher uh, in a pinch hitting spot. Uh, I think that just tells you how ready all these players are for their opportunities. Um, and, and that's just the mindset, man. I mean, it's a really good uh, just culture that they have right now in, in that in that program. Um, you can tell the players are ecstatic for one another when they get those opportunities. And uh, those those guys, more than, more than not, have been ready this year. I mean, you look at it from Gavin Dugas' perspective in the very beginning of the season, uh, Cade Cade Beloso three or four weeks ago, uh, making his you know, dom- making his you know, insertion into the lineup and hasn't left since. Uh, and then a guy like Travinsky uh, on Sunday gives you that big hit, and uh, it, it's 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 really cool to see. They, they, you know, when you have injuries like LSU's had this year, you like to have some 
backup options, and a lot of the backup options this year have been offensive-oriented and have really worked out for LSU. Uh, this is a, a team that's clicking really on all cylinders right now, and it's, uh, I don't think they're slowing down anytime soon with the, the schedule they got coming up. I'm with you. Baseball sweeps, softball sweeps. Uh, nobody got hurt in the spring game. So overall, that's that's the best kind of weekend you could ever ask for. Absolutely, preach. That's that's exactly what uh, that's exactly the takeaway you should have. So yeah, I think it's uh, everyone's in a good spot right now. LSU can now, I think, football wise, really set focus towards recruiting over the next couple weeks and months. Uh, they have some camps set up here in the summer that we'll all be at, and so that'll be fun. Um, and yeah. then, you know, baseball, uh, they have, they have a, they have a workable schedule here in the next several weeks to really create some separation in the conference and, uh, really go into the postseason with their heads held high. I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, in six days, that portal closes, you got to put your name in the hat. If you want to enter the transfer portal, are you hearing anything about LSU play current players, going to sign on that dotted line and enter the portal. Colorado's lose ahead. They had six players after their spring game enter the portal. So yeah, I I haven't heard a a whiff of anybody thinking of joining the portal. And that's really good at your LSU. I think, uh, you you know, the, the big concern heading into the spring was Nussmeyer and Marlon Martinez. I think both of those guys have, have proven and said that they will not be doing that. So, um, you know, I, I think LSU's in a really good spot where they're going to be adding talent and not losing it. So you uh, think you're looking at probably maybe a safety LSU could look, maybe a running back, maybe another uh, defensive lineman. Um, but they're going to be in a, a position where they're adding talent and not losing it, which is a good, good, good place to be. Glenn, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your week, buddy. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Glenn West, go 247 Sports. We'll take a quick timeout. The NFL draft is Thursday. One more go walk around the block with Chris Roseboglu next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We are brought to you each and every day by the great folks of ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By the great folks at Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches, along with permanent fat reduction. By our friends at the Louisiana Lottery. So many games to play, but you can't win. Until you start playing ah, by DC's little capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Best cheeseburger ever. And by the Beard family at Cajun chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg show live from the Evco development studios in upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Thirty-six minutes after the hour on this Monday, April twenty-fourth, um, the countdown to the NFL draft is really intensifying. It begins this Thursday in Kansas City with the opening round. Uh, so we got to get the latest developments and the thoughts of our good friend who does such a great job for us. And he does a great job as a writer for the spun at SI now 
podcaster for Boot Crew Media, the uh, the one and only Mr. Chris Rosewoglue. Christopher, I greatly appreciate your time again, my friend. How are you? Doing great, Jordy. Thank you for having me. Um, all right, so here we go. The, the, do you think the Saints have their board locked up, signed, sealed, delivered? Or do you think they're still still deliberating? I, I think at this point, I think the Saints kind of have a good idea as to what position groups they want to hit on, which players uh, they would make the leap for if they start to slip down the board. Uh, the Saints are one of those teams during draft week, whether or not fans may like the pick that they make every year on a year-to-year basis, uh, they have a pretty good idea of what they want to do, how they want to attack it. And I'd imagine at this point, um, it's not a coincidence that you hear a couple of rumblings around the league. For example, the Eagles doing some homework on receivers and other teams doing uh, some late-minute assignments and checking out whether or not a prospect fits their mold and you haven't really heard a peep from the saints and i think that's because they have a good idea as to how they want to approach this draft i would like to see a, a saints draft board like in january their first draft board and then i'd like to see what their draft board looks like in april i have a feeling sometimes these experts overanalyze and nitpick and and you hear all these rumors that pop up. I mean, it's crazy how, you know, all of a sudden C.J. Stroud was supposed to be the number one player picked in the draft, and now he may not be the number two quarterback taken in the draft, according to those in the know. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And to that example, you mentioned C.J. Stroud. I would rewind just a month and a half ago, and I think there was a lot of people within NFL circles that were just kind of penciling him in to the Carolina Panthers at number one. And then now, uh, to your point, if you check any odds, you check any predictions right now, Will Levis is the second quarterback to yes. come off the board. And it just shows how so many things change. And uh, I think a lot of times it kind of goes into what you were mentioning, Jordy, with overanalyzing things, whether it's the S2 cognition test, whether it's the 40 time for a certain player. Uh, it's just sometimes I think people kind of stray away from the actual game film, which is funny. Game film, but, yes. You know, I, I, you, I think you could tell which teams do and which teams don't. But it's it's interesting. And I, I do think that because of that, outside of the first pick, I think there's a lot of unpredictability about this year's draft. So it should make for a pretty uh, interesting, I'd say, two, three hour stretch for the opening round. Everybody's pointing toward Bryce Young now talking about how he's gained weight and he's kept the weight on. And that was the one deterrent. Houston seems to hold all the cards in this thing at number two. And you're hearing all kinds of names. I thought for sure they'd go for a quarterback. What do you think Houston's going to do? Yeah, at this point, there's so many people who have said they're not sold on the quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young that I think they're going to take a defensive player and kind of add some type of young, talented guy to the mix for D'Amico Ryans in his first year as the head coach. And I think the three names that I'd be looking at would be Will Anderson from Alabama. Obviously, he can do just about anything you ask. You want him to play the linebacker position truly, he can do it. If you want him to come off the edge, just as a guy who had 10 sacks last season. Um, and then I'd look at Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. That's another name that's been heavily linked to uh, Houston. Vegas. Yeah. Think about Vegas has him as the as the as the favorite at the number two spot. Absolutely. And it makes a ton of sense. If you think about what San Francisco was able to do last year with Nick Bosa as their premier pass rusher and kind of build everything around him on defense. And, and maybe for D'Amico Ryans, he kind of sees a similar vision. So at this point, I'm looking at some type of defense alignment for Houston, but Wilson would probably be the the favorite right now. Uh, and I, I would be shocked at this point if they don't take a, if they do take a quarterback. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they move down just a couple of spots. Yes. Maybe a team yes. moves up to get Will Levis, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, whoever it may be. There's got to be a team, whether it be the Raiders, uh, the Titans, um, Indianapolis, 
if they really like a certain quarterback, doesn't it behoove them uh, to trade up with Houston? Houston can still find a defensive player and still find a quarterback at number 12. Absolutely. And, and I think for Houston, it might not even have to be that far. You know, if Indianapolis calls, if Vegas calls, you could still pick inside the top seven and you'll yes. still get one of those premier defensive players and you'll get assets that you can use next year if you want to get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, the Drake May sweepstakes. So I think it makes a lot, an awful lot of sense. And I think on the opposing side, how many teams every year kind of move up because they're afraid that someone might beat them to the punch? Right. So, I do right. think there will be a trade at some point within the top four uh, because you look at number two with Houston, probably not going quarterback, and obviously number three with Arizona not needing a quarterback. Right. I think that's going to make for some interesting uh, trade conversations over the next 24, 48 hours. I think both of those teams would be wise to do that and pick up more. The Saints at number 29, um, do, you, do they have the ammunition to – package something together and 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 trade up into the draft and if they did how how high could they go with the assets that they have yeah i mean look technically for new orleans with the way they operate you can't rule anything out in terms of how high they can get because they're never afraid to dip into next year's draft picks they've kind of showed that over the last couple of years um just think about this you know last draft when they end up having two first round picks because they make that trade with philly but if we're going to talk realistically speaking i think the the highest that I can see them honestly trading up to is anywhere in that 15 to 18 range, because that means there's probably a defensive lineman that's still there that they may like on their board. And they don't think it's going to make it to 29, but do they have the ammunition if they have to move, let's say five to six spots? Absolutely. They have eight picks in this year's draft and it's really a matter of, are they willing to move off of pick 40 or pick 71? Because one of those two picks is the one that really would help them catapult up the board. But I also wouldn't be shocked if New Orleans decides to, for once, kind of stay pat at 29. And then maybe in that day two range where they have pick 40 and pick 71, you have, I believe, five picks on day three that you may not use because you might not think that they'll be able right. to pack the 53-man roster. And you right. can move up then and, and get maybe a running back that you like on your board, maybe an offensive guard if there's one available that they like. So uh, they definitely can move up. I don't think this is the year where they make the huge aggressive move to move up and go from, let's say, pick 29 all the way to pick 12 or whatever. But if they moved up inside the 20s or they moved to, let's say, the 18-19 spot, I wouldn't be totally surprised if there's a player there. Of course, we're, we as Saints fans would love that. Move up. Move up. That'd be great. Um, You make sure running back. B. John Robinson's not going to be around when the Saints get to 29. Maybe they trade up to get him. I doubt that. Um, Value running backs, day two, who are they? Yeah, I think there's a, a good amount in that regard. And I think the one that keeps getting linked to the Saints, and I, again, I don't know if he will be the guy uh, on draft night on day two, for the Saints, though, but Zach Charbonnet from UCLA is the type of back that I love. He does it all. Um, the one concern I would have is just the amount of carries he's had in college. Is that going to be sustainable for four or five years? Because there's a lot of wear and tear already on him, but he's the full package. He does exactly what the Saints want him to do. So he's a guy that I look at. You know, you could think about the hometown kid and Tajay Spears and kind of his home run threat capability. He might be a third round option. Depending on if people are worried about his size, then maybe slips to the fourth round. But I don't expect any later than that for Ty J. Spears. Uh, even Zach Evans from Ole Miss, another player that I've seen linked to the Saints for a little bit. But they've done their homework. I, I would not be surprised if there's, you know, uh, maybe a Sean Tucker from Syracuse that they've looked at as well. The Saints have been out there. But I think at the top of the list on day two, I'd probably go Zach Charbonnet because I wouldn't actually be surprised if Jameer Gibbs from Alabama sneaks in at the tail end 
of the first round. There's been a lot of smoke surrounding his name, and I, yeah. I just would be shocked if someone goes up and get him. How often, when you know, the Saints get X amount of players they can actually bring into their facility, and they can do their own tests, they can do their own interviews. If you haven't been invited to the Saints camp to, to do that, is it quite possible that you're not on the Saints board and they're not interested in you, or is there any rhyme or reason to that? No, you know, sometimes it's just completely random. I, I can't remember the draft pick off the top of my name, but it was in with in the last three years uh, the Saints selected and and he got asked on if he was, you know, had previous meetings with the Saints and he was honest. He said, I didn't. And that's why I was kind of surprised when they were the team to call him. Mm. So I think for New Orleans, the, the theme that people have been catching on to is the senior bowl. That's where a lot of their work gets done. That's where yeah. a lot of their draft picks have come from. You could think of Peyton Turner. They loved him at the senior bowl. They drafted him. You could go back to Marcus Davenport. They were kind of in awe of his physical, you know, capabilities at the senior bowl. They go up and get him. So that's kind of been the reoccurring thing. I think for the, the visits and whether or not that links to something, the reason it's hard to tell is sometimes teams might bring in a guy for a visit because they might feel certain that he's going to end up at a rival team and they might want a good scouting report as to, hey, what are we going to face when this season begins? So um, that, that's where it could come into play. And that's why when you see a team, let's say like the Falcons, who are out there kind of scouting all the quarterbacks, maybe they're thinking we might not draft one. We might roll with Desmond Ritter. But the Panthers are going to get one. The Bucs could draft one. Who are we going to face uh, and what should we expect from these guys? So sometimes it means something. Sometimes it's nothing. It's kind of tough to tell. It varies year to year. Do you think the Saints should go away from the senior bowl? You mentioned the two names. They really didn't have the careers yet. I mean, Davenport's gone and Peyton Turner still hadn't lived up to the billing. Maybe they need to figure out something else. Chris Rose for glue. Well, look, Jordy, if you tell that to the Saints fan base, they'll absolutely agree. And just to kind of add to that one, Trevor Penning was another player oh, he absolutely okay. loved from the senior bowl. And and um, that one I kind of defended because he was just absolutely mauling over people yeah. uh, down in Mobile when they did that. But uh, I think for, for the Saints, it's tough because sometimes it doesn't work. And then you look at the flip side and, and you're like, all right, that player might have worked out. And um, it's tough to tell. I, I would say the reason they've had the reason the recent uptick in senior bowl is when COVID started playing a factor – a lot of stuff was virtual. A lot of stuff was over the phone. And for the Saints, that was the one event where they got up to close and personal. And I think that kind of swayed their opinion a little bit, especially the year with Peyton Turner. But we'll see. I know a lot of fans are kind of begging for them to steer clear of the Senior Bowl. Are you buying or selling B.J. Ogilari from LSU, the, the defensive pass rushing outside force? What do you think of him? Look, I'm, I'm actually buying him. I think for a lot of edge rushers, at the end of the day, it just comes down to fit. But I think for... LSU prospects, especially defensive players, I kind of look at them as Kentucky basketball players. If you're going to bring them in and you have the right coaching around them, I'd say 80 to 90% of the time they're going to hit because they're so talented. They've been well coached for the majority of their career. And the only reason their numbers might not be as gaudy as you may like them to be is because they have another guy across from them most of the time. That's a five-star recruit in their right. And everyone else has to eat at the same yeah. time. So for him, I think he's the type of player actually – that, look, if the Saints want to go a little bit out of their comfort zone for prototypes and at pick 40, take him, if they don't go defensive line in the first round, I think he'd be an interesting player for them. And I think it's actually would kind of benefit them to go away from the recent mold of getting defensive ends that are, you know, built like six foot eight power forwards and bring in a guy that's, you know, six two, but a little a little bit more twitchy than the usual players that they brought in. So I think he's an interesting prospect. I think it depends on the team. Um, look, if he ended up a team like a Seattle that can coach him up well, and I've seen Pete Carroll work wonders with defensive ends that have his skill set and his size, uh, I think he could be a heck of a player. It's really just going to come down to fit for him. To your point, I never thought Daniil Hunter would be player that he is with the Vikings. 
coming from LSU. He, he's a stud, but he, like you said, they had other people around him, so the numbers were 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 limited. But dude, he can play. Um, Chris Rose glue with us. So in a perfect world, uh, three picks. Let's just say we have three picks. I know one's going to be a defensive lineman. What are your other two choices? I think another one for certain is running back. I just don't love the yeah. idea if Alvin misses six to eight games, yeah. it's Jamal Williams and who? I love Jamal Williams. I just don't love the idea of Jamal Williams needing 25 carries a game because the Saints don't have another back. So I would say running back, but I'd say running back at 71. I, I think they can go get, um, you know, maybe move up a couple of, of spots for Zach Charbonnet, or maybe they take a Tajay Spears, whoever it could be. Uh, and then the other one is honestly offensive guard. And I know it's not the the fanciest pick. It's not the one that people want right now, but you have a lot of uncertainty with Pete and Ruiz post 2023. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's worth adding the fact that unfortunately Pete has been injury prone. So yeah. th- this player that you, let's say you draft at 40, let's say you get a, an offensive guard. That guy might not might need to play week two, week three, whatever it may be. So I always like the idea of building in the trenches, and I think this is the draft for the Saints to kind of do it because those are two spots where at pick 29, pick 40, you could really help out the defensive line and the offensive line. So I'll go D-line, O-line, running back. Um, that would be my, my top three in terms of ideal spots for the Saints. And in 30 seconds, the Saints could actually get the number one pick in the draft if Michael Thomas comes back and is fully healthy and fully committed to the team. What are you hearing about him? Yeah, he's just continuing his rehab. He's not 100% yet, but the Saints have been pretty encouraged by the fact that he is taking those steps. He posted a video, I believe it was last week, of him kind of taking sprints. And I know a lot of people are worried about his speed, but he's not a wide receiver who bases his game off speed. Right. It's about physicality, having those violent cuts in and out of his breaks. But he's trending well. I would be stunned if he's not ready for training camp. Uh, obviously, this is under the assumption that he doesn't suffer some horrific setback, obviously. Wow. But he's doing well, um, just not 100% right now. But Michael Thomas is definitely trending in the right direction. To your point, if he plays well, the Saints go to another level. You're the best. Thank you so much. Enjoy the draft. We'll talk next week and wrap it all up. How about that? That sounds great to me. Thank you so much for having me. You're the best. Chris Rose Voglu, Boot Crew Media. We'll take a timeout. We'll close out our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the oh. LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat-screen TV from ABI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back at 55 minutes after the hour. We have a busy second hour plan for you and yours. Um, more of an update on LSU third baseman Tommy White. Jake Johnson said that he is day-to-day and was playing sore on Sunday. That's the reason for taking him out. Johnson seemed optimistic about it, according to our good friend Koki Riley. 
uh, but was pretty nonspecific with what the injury was. Um, so we'll we'll have to see what happens there. Um, Jawan Johnson from Lafayette Christian, the four-star commit to Colorado, has decommitted. He's fair game. Come on home, Jawan. Come on home, baby. Stay close. So everybody in the Lafayette area can come ride to Tiger Stadium and watch you do your thing because you're one heck of a player. I don't care if it's quarterback, defensive back, you're one heck of a player. So uh, the portal's out there. We will see 15 players have announced that they are transferring from Colorado since the spring game on Saturday. 15. Something's happening there. Something. So we shall see. Our number two straight ahead, NBA playoffs with Ali Cassell. Much more in-depth on the LSU spring football game with Blake Rafino. It's all coming your way next. First, the top of the hour sports update here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers, the Houston Astros, and the Jordy Helpert Show. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, hour number two of two, and away we go on a Monday, April 24th, the year 2023. My producer, James Mesh, in the master control suite of the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. They're on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west on I-10 to KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. We are streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I make no bones about it. I love all sports. I do. I love the NBA. I love watching the NBA playoffs. And I believe that these NBA playoffs have been remarkably entertaining. The injuries have have played a big part of it, but there have been some incredible performances, incredible plays, incredible moments. Nothing better than the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. But let's talk some hoops today with my good friend from At The Bird Rights. Mr. Ali Cassell, the one and only Ali Cassell. Ali, you like the playoffs so far, big guy? I'm with you, Jordy. I've liked it. And I was telling your producer, James Mesh, I wish we could turn off the injuries because they would be that much better, right, if we could have all the yeah. guys that should be there available. I'm with you, particularly like the L.A. Clippers. Um, they're missing They're both of their superstars. You don't, you don't ever know what Kawhi Leonard's going to come back. John Morant didn't look like he was too hurt. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they, the Bucks need him back tonight in a big-time way. But I want to talk about the Warriors and the Kings because, I mean, I swear, I never thought the Kings would would last and survive. Now the series tied two games apiece. Um, but, man, what a dramatic, fun, high-scoring, 
great display of offensive talent by both of these clubs. It has been. Look, the Kings had the best offense we've ever seen in league history of a regular season. Um, it, it, there's no mistake over those 82 games. They were going to bring that same amount or at least mm-hmm. probably come close to it, that same amount of firepower. And so far, you know, we've been privileged to see in it, right? And the Golden State Warriors, we know what they can bring, right? The Splash Brothers, and you've also got Jordan Poole. So they can put up points as well as anybody when they're fully healthy. So it's been the best series. You're not wrong to say that, Jordy. And I'll tell you what, boy, had Harrison Barnes made that three to finish out last night's game, the Kings would be a three to one, right? And with Golden State, yeah. who's been terrible on the road, I think they'd be just about out of it. But it's a series, two two. Yeah, I think that one's going to go seven. Okay, so here we go. Sacramento calls the Pelicans and say, "Look, we'll give you De'Aaron Fox. You give us Zion Williamson." What does Ali Cassell, GM of the Pelicans, say? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Remember, just a year ago, right before the CJ McCollum trade, there was real talks of CG, or excuse me, De'Aaron Fox of being available. So think about the package that got sent for CJ McCollum, right? It was Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander, a few other pieces. Can you imagine getting De'Aaron Fox for that? So yeah, now the price is through the roof, and I guess it is kind of fair to say Zion Williamson. If I could be guaranteed that Zion Williamson would get his act together, I would undoubtedly take his side, but you know, where we stand today, it's hard not to want to take De'Aaron Fox, right? Downs only yeah. put one, one season where he's largely put together health-wise out of four. That doesn't bode well. So you feel the safer bet's got to be Fox, right? He's one of the best point guards that really still isn't getting enough credit, right, for what he did this year. He, he is. He's a lefty. Jalen Brunson for the Knicks is a lefty. You mentioned Josh Hart. Boy, I mean, he, look, he gave everything to the Pelicans. It's just one of those things that where he had to move. He's flourishing with the Knicks. He's, I'm telling you, he's a big-time player. He is, and he's going to get paid, Jordy. I know he's got yeah. an option on his current contract, but he's he's going to get out of it, and he, he's going to get more than what I think he's making about thirteen million a year. He's perfect for the Big Apple. He's perfect for Tom Thibodeau, and on that Knicks team that's got the scores right, Randall Brunson, mm-hmm. he's an absolute perfect cog. I hope he gets to play there for the rest of his career, and I'm going to enjoy watching every minute of it. Should the NBA do like uh, the NFL does, and reseed in the playoffs because if things go according to plan you're going to have uh if boston goes on to win which they are they're going to beat the hawks boston's going to play end up playing philadelphia before you get to the conference finals um and and you know denver's going to end up playing the the phoenix suns so the seeding's out of whack uh the playing kind of skews things should they reseed in the NBA playoffs, or is that even feasible? You know, I'm not a fan of that. Maybe I'm too much of a traditionalist because, you know, I'm, I'm north of 40 years of age, right, and I've been watching basketball since the 80s. So you kind of get used to the format. But, no, Jordan, I just can't get on board with that. I, I don't know. Why should we continue to give whoever's the top seed, you know, a continuation of this, of a privilege, basically, right, picking the worst uh-huh. team? But then again, with all the parity today, who's to say that the worst team is a seven or an eight seed, right? I mean, just look at what's going on right now. The Lakers are in position to upset the Grizzlies. I know the Minnesota doesn't have a chance with the Nuggets, but the Heat, the number eight seed, they've got a great chance to beat the Bucks in the first round. So it's no sure thing that the lower seed is what you want to face. 
Yeah, I, I don't think anybody wants to play Miami. Not with Jimmy Butler yeah. and all that. You mentioned the Lakers. Please um, uh, take me to school on this and inform me, Professor. Um, where do the Saints stand with the Lakers kick in the draft? What? What? what give me the lowdown on that. All right. So with the Pelicans they're going to end up keeping their first-round pick this season. They're not going to swap it with the Lakers because obviously the Lakers are going to finish a better record. So the Pelicans, they're slated, if the lottery doesn't get changed, right, um, the Pelicans are going into the lottery, which is going to get held next month, and 14th place. The Lakers, because they're in the playoffs, they're going to finish, I think they're about 17th. So those swap rights, we're not trading for a worse pick, right? So that's extinguished. So there's only one more future pick coming from the Lakers. So the Pels get a pick of either next year's first-round pick from the Lakers or 2025. That's all that's left from that Anthony Davis trade. Davis had 31-17 and 17 in the 111-101 win over Memphis. Um, that's, a, that's a team that made some, some moves at the trade deadline, and they got uh, significantly better significantly better um so kudos we all said it yeah Jordan, to the Lakers. Right? we all said it i mean you add d'angelo russell uh vanderbilt malik beasley i mean those are three proven guys for froster that they needed to have guys that they can give minutes to um that were at least replacement level players because they were playing a lot of guys that didn't deserve to be yeah. out there so yeah that was a coup for them and then when you hear that the pelicans were kind of in the running for both vanderbilt and malik beasley well, that makes your stomach kind of churn right that boy yeah. had that tr- Trade swung over here. Well, suddenly the Pelicans are probably in the playoffs. The Lakers may not be. And on top of that, you're going to get a good first-round pick because the Pelicans have that swap. So it stings here in New Orleans. Uh, Dave Griffin, uh, Ali Cassell with us. David Griffin said, um, we're close. We like what we have. But, we, you know, we got to make some changes here and there. Um, give me some names that you believe will not be dressed out in a Pelicans uniform next year? Well, first two are pretty easy for me. Josh Richardson, his contract just ended, and the Pelicans yeah. have don't own his rights, so he's a, he's a free agent, yeah. and he didn't have a good showing here. Um, next, right. Jackson Hayes. I think Jackson's done. Yeah. He never improved. We talked about him ad nauseum on your show, right? It's just time for him to move on. The Pelicans go in a different direction. Find an athletic big that they can rely on. Um, after that, it gets interesting, right? I mean, do you look at Najee, mm-hmm. who kind of disappointed? I mean, he was great as a starter, but the last three months or so, I wasn't too impressed. Um, you can look at Kyra Lewis, who done. was never given a chance. And he's coming towards the end of his rookie deal, and you've already got, what, C.J. McCollum, who's a little bit undersized, Jose Alvarado. So where does Kyra fall when you've already got Dyson Daniels, too? But I guess I'll yeah. take Garrett Temple. I think Garrett Temple's going to either – not retired. Uh, received next year, right? He's got he's got a guarantee coming up at the end of June. So I don't think the Pelicans will pick it up unless he gets used in a trade. So those are the three names for sure, right? Jackson, Josh Richardson, and Garrett Temple probably will not be here. With the with the the contract values of Zion, Ingram, McCullum, um, you Trey Murphy's going to come up, and you're going to have to pay him. Uh, how much money are we talking about? Are, are the Pels in good position to go out and nab the top flight player? No, they're really not. They've got three you mentioned, CJ, Brandon, and Zion. They're going to be making an excess over 100 and what was it, about $100 million next year. The salary cap lines at 134 luxury tax line around 150 
So think about it. 15 roster spots, three players are taking up two-thirds of it. You're not going to have much space left over. Fortunately for the Pels, they're in a good spot because, let's face it, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, all these guys on rookie deals, Dyson Daniels, they're not making hardly anything at all. So the Pelicans have wiggle room. Now, to get another max player, like I said, I don't see it, but maybe somebody that makes in the you know, 10 to $25 million range could be doable if you use, say, Jonas Valanciunas's contract and probably one other. I think the Pels probably want to keep Larry Nance, so you have to look elsewhere. But for that reason, I think that's why David Griffin told us, right, Jordy, that he's not expecting any seismic moves, right? I mean, they did the C.J. McCollum trade. They've done other things in the past. I think they're kind of going to be looking more around the edges, right? Solving the center position overall or adding help and getting three or more three-point shooting. I think that's going to be the keys for them, that the front office. Man, I would love a point guard. I really would. Can... I know you would. You've been asking me all year. <laughs> I would want a point guard. Because I, I think C.J. McCollum is better as an off guard when he I doesn't have to carry the load and dribble and set people. I think he's so much better as a moving, moving without the ball, coming off screens, catch it, drive, or shoot it. I would love to see a dynamic, you know, well, everybody wants, uh, you know, a dynamic point guard, but I think they're out there. I, I would love one that can um, just run the show, man, run the show. I think that's what, I think that's what this team needs. I really do. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that you get a reserve point guard. Look, I think CJ McCollum, I think everybody knows he's just a point guard in name only when he's yeah. out there with the starting lineup with the preferred lineups of Willie green, you've got ball handlers and playmakers and Zion and Brandon Ingram. And then I think also Herb Jones, eventually probably Dyson Daniels as soon as next year, they're going to be a better playmaker than even CJ, right? So this team I feel like is progressing to that kind of progressive style of the NBA, like the Boston Celtics, other teams to where you don't have those usual point guards dictating the offense like the Chris Pauls of the world. Instead, you're relying on your forwards, right? These gifted athletes that can do so much with the ball on initiating your offense. And I think that's the plan for the Pelts. So, Jordy, if you were to, say, get a starting point guard, well, what does that do to the lineup? Do you move CJ to the two, then what, Brandon, Zion, and the center, so you have Herb and Trey on the bench? I don't like that, see? But as a, as a reserve, see, right, when you need help with the offense, I would love to have Sam Mike Conley coming off my bench or somebody along those lines, right? That the Pelicans do need for sure. You'd, la- you'd laugh at me, but I'd, I'd sit <laughs> bowling, shoot. I'd go Murphy. Ingram, Zion, McCullum, and my dynamic point guard, and I'll wow. bring Herb Jones off the bench to, to defend. And that's just me. Um, but maybe maybe Jose Alvarado stays healthy. He's such a dynamic player. So yeah, you know, uh, I'm starting to change my my take on that a little bit. But I still <laughs> think McCullum, yeah, McCullum's better off the ball. Um, but if we could get get a rim protector, somebody that can yeah. get up there and challenge things like that, that that probably takes center stage. I'm with you. Okay, you talk me out of it. Very good. Thank you, yeah, Professor. Sorry, Jordy, but yeah, I'll tell you what. That lineup you gave me, I'm scared to death. Who's going to rebound the ball there? So yeah, I'm yeah, with you. Give true. me a rim protector. Think about having yeah. a last line of defense for a team that's already good defensively, right? You be you be putting yourself in the upper echelon of say the Boston Celtics the Milwaukee Bucks, because that's what that's the only thing that separates them from the Pelicans right now. They have the Brooke Lopez's, the Giannis's, the Ron Williams, you know, the erasers staying at the uh, at the rim. The Pelicans don't have yeah. that. They need to get a guy like no, that. No, you're right. You're right. Trey Murphy made a – and we I thought he was the key to this team. 
Uh, obviously, the key to the team is people staying healthy. But yeah. <laughs> given that circumstance, I thought he made a quantum leap from his rookie year to his second year. What's the next step for Trey Murphy to get to that upper echelon? What does he need to work on? There's a couple of things. I want him, first of all, to get stronger because that's going to help with a lot of things, right? Like Brandon Ingram we saw, when you get stronger, you can get by your man, hold your line, get to the rim more easily. You also become a better rebounder just because you're holding your position. And then lastly, defensively. I feel like Trey just got pushed around a little bit too much. And let's face it, his probably most optimal positions at a three, more closely to the four, right, a power forward spot. So at that position, you're facing Jaron Jackson. You're facing a lot of these, you know, dynamic, almost seven-footers. And Trey's nowhere near as strong as those guys. He's got to get bigger and stronger first. Uh, you, you have your spies out on Zion. He's not going to Popeyes or anything. Is he? You know what? what what's Zion up to, man? What's he? Is he? Is he going to the facility and working out and getting treatment? What's he doing? Well, this is the time of year, right when the season ends, where everybody gets away. So that includes even guy like Herb Jones. So as far as I know, unless there's a few players, there could be like a Trey Murphy, somebody around the facility, Jose Alvarado, who wasn't 100 percent, probably still getting treatment. But for the most part, this is a time where everybody goes and resets their batteries, right? So I'm not expecting to start hearing about these guys in earnest till at least next month. Well, Zion's battery's been charged all year. You haven't played all, yeah, anything. Get your butt in the training <laughs> room and get hailed. Yeah, that, 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 that would be ideal. And I, look, I will say that I remember what he did last offseason. He did get himself in shape, right? He didn't look as good as that. Since I want to say at the start of his rookie season, so he needs to get in there, do what he did last season, but take it up another notch to where you're eating right, working out, doing everything you need to throughout the course of the regular season. That's what got him this year. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, Ali Cassell, who, who you got coming out of the East? Who you got coming out of the West? Who out of the East? I'm gonna stick with Boston Celtics. I, I kind of like okay. that the fact that they're healthy, right? They're playing good ball. Yeah. And they were my preseason pick, so that'll make me look good. <laughs> but in the West, there you go. Yeah, but in the West, Jordy, God, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, look, Denver Nuggets are the one seed, but I don't like the fact that they didn't dispose of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who didn't look interested in winning last night, right? And overall, I don't feel like Denver's the best team when everybody's playing well. So I'm tell you what, give me the Suns. I'm going to do a little bandwagon riding with the Kevin Durant, right? Because Devin Booker. I don't know who's playing better than him right now in the West. No, I mean, right. he's giving you you're not right. only the offense, but defense. I mean, you've got Chris Paul as the fourth scorer because they've got DeAndre Ayton. And Torrey Craig's hitting threes. I don't know. The Suns are the scariest if they can stay healthy. So, yeah, Suns and, and Celtics for me. Why do I keep Why do I keep falling back on the Lakers? Why? I, Ooh. Yeah, I'm telling you. on LeBron. <laughs> I'm telling you, we shall see. I keep liking the Lakers. Don't ask me why, but just a gut feeling. Ali okay. Cassell, I'll we'll do it this. again, man. I love the playoffs, and I greatly appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely, Jordy. I'll talk to you soon. It's always fun, my man. Thank you. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back with more here after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Uh, you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and help, can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeout, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. We are back 24 minutes after the hour. I am trying to confirm something here real quick. Um, James Met. Okay. James Mesh sent me a uh, tweet from Adam Schefter saying that um, the New York Jets acquire Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15, a 2023 fifth round pick, which is number 170 overall. The Green Bay Packers get pick number 13, a 2023 second round pick, which is number 42, a sixth round pick, which is number 207, a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. So, um, Apparently the deal is done and it just makes sense that it gets done before the draft. So you can kind of line things up and see where you stand and uh, you know, where, where you're going to be able to pick and what you're going to do with it. So um, the long anticipated, long awaited um, deal is being finalized. Again, the jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15 in this year's draft, a 2023 fifth round pick, which is number 170 overall the Packers get pick number 13 a 2022 second round pick which is a 2023 second round pick number 42 overall so pick 13 pick 42 pick number 207 and importantly a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65 percent of the plays why is nobody dealing with Lamar Jackson I you know it's just too crazy uh, too crazy for me. Uh, this in from the NBA, the Kings guard that we've been raving about, De'Aaron Fox, fractured the very tip of his left index finger. He's left-handed. He shoots with that. That index finger is very, very important when you play basketball. Um, he did that in game four. There's still hope he will try to play in game five against the Warriors on Wednesday. He would need to play with a protective covering on the finger which I said is his shooting hand. He will be listed as doubtful, doubtful. So injuries have been the biggest key um, to um, this these NBA playoffs. As I mentioned earlier, 15 Colorado Buffalo players have entered the transfer portal um, today as part of a post-spring Practice exodus as new coach Deion Sanders continues to reshape the Buffalo's roster. 
He told players in their first meeting to hop in that portal after be hired, being hired in early December. Um, he's trying to upgrade the team's talent level following a 1-11 and season. So um, they lost several players to the portal before spring practice. Today saw a significant group depart, including wide receivers Jordan Tyson and Montana Lamonius Craig, um, who both led the team in receptions and receiving yards in 2022. When you're one and 11, y'all, you, you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder. Uh, but the news on the LSU front is that Jawan Johnson class of 2024, uh, the starting quarterback for LCA um, being recruited as a cornerback has decommitted from Colorado and is opening up his recruitment again. His final three choices were Colorado, Florida, and LSU. Juwan, come on back. Come on home, baby. Come on home. Come stay home. Your family wants to watch you play. It's a short drive from Acadiana to uh, Tiger Stadium. Short drive. Come on, baby. Come on. All right, so there's just a couple of updates. Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets is done. Do you favor the Jets now? To win that division, nobody's talking about Buffalo. I thought Buffalo's pretty darn good, aren't they? They're pretty good. Miami's got them a squad too. Certainly ups the ante for the Jets, no question about that. Um, but but forever in a day, the New England Patriots owned that division of the NFL. They owned it. Now they're the fourth best team out of four. Things can turn in a minute. Yeah, it's all because of that quarterback or the quarterback that you don't have anymore, isn't it? Well, we'll see what Aaron Rodgers can do with the Jets. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch of, not since Joe Willie Namath made the guarantee, they have been in the desert ever since. Uh, so maybe it's the Jets' turn. We shall see. After this timeout, it'll be Blake Rafino's turn from the Are You Serious podcast next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The brand, the game has a brand new app. It is now your one-stop shop for all things. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back 35 minutes after the hour. LSU baseball remains number one in the country. They sweep in um, Ole Miss over the weekend. Softball makes a sweep. We got the NBA playoffs going on, but football still the king down here. LSU had its spring football game. I'm very anxious to hear 
um, our next guest, um, his offerings on what he saw, what he liked, what he didn't like. And that, of course, is Blake Rafino, the host of the Are You Serious podcast. Blake, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing good, Jordy. How are we doing? I'm doing good. Um, boy, it sure looks like Jaden Daniels is um, is primed and ready to take off and explode this year. I don't put much at stake in a spring game, but from everything I've heard, boy, he just looked like he owned the part. What did you see? What did you like? I, well, I, I liked more of what he was doing, Jordy, before they played the game in reference to he's put on weight. He's been working out with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and the 3D QB uh, guys out there in California who train. You know, I mean, Jordan, they've trained, I think, 17 first-round picks. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe uh, Burrow did some stuff with them, uh, you know, a long time ago. So uh, I just like his dedication, his focus, his tenacity. And so, Jordan, this is the first time that he's been around a program with the culture that Brian Kelly possesses in his teams and what he brings, and it's it's paid off for him. I think he made some really good decisions. I think he made good decisions in the red zone. And, and for whatever reason, he you know, I, I saw a thing today that people were saying that Garrett Nussmeyer is better than him, and I, I just don't understand where, where this hate comes from him. Jordy went yeah. 10 for 11 for 170 yards and two tutties. Should have been three, but they didn't count the red zone piece. He looked good. He didn't run. And the time that he did, I mean, he wasn't even touched. I I thought that him, along with the cohesion that he has with his offensive line, has it's just really good. Jordan, they sent multiple blitzes. We counted 14 blitzes that Matt House sent. Everyone was picked up. The guys that – the sacks that happened were guys just getting beat one-on-one, which I would rather than you just missing an assignment. So they looked good. Mm -hmm. I think all in all, um, you know, the question had always been if Brian Kelly can get an O-line uh, like he did at Notre Dame at LSU with the skill pieces and quarterbacks he'll bring in, what would it look like? I thought Garrett Nussmeyer, Jordy, leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. Okay. If, if any one regard? of those two dudes go in now, you're okay with it. You're yeah. completely okay. In what okay. regard did he make Jordy, leaps and bounds? Garrett, Garrett was just not ready last year. He wasn't yeah. ready. And – both of them now, flip a coin. I don't care. I, I mean, I, I still think Jane gives you the most upside right now. I don't really care. Play either one of them. That's how confident I am in both of them. It seems like LSU is in really good, capable hands for the next three years at the quarterback position. At minimum two, right? Like at minimum, meaning right. this year with Jane and next year with Garrett. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, Garrett possesses things that you see – you know, and just flashes of the deep ball, the consistency. He just has to be more consistent and not get overwhelmed by trying to perform, right? Like, Jordan, right. you know that sometimes you force your shot, you swing at bad pitches, you throw a ball you shouldn't throw that gets intercepted. He didn't do that, okay? And so yeah. as I think it's kind of slowing down for him, and he just knows, like, hey, look, I'm going to back up Jaden. We'll still compete at a high level. But right. this is going to be my Our team. Time will come. And you got to give it to him, man. He looks good. He looks really sharp. Yeah. He, okay. I mean, I well, get the And look, I'm not going to take too much of it, but I mean, they're running man to man coverage. You know, that's all that they're running. So uh, I just like what I saw from both both men. And yeah. then 
it's not as if, Jordy, it's not as if that they were playing against scrubs, I think is the biggest thing, right? Like, okay. for example, Kyron Lacey broke two Harold Perkins tackles. Jordy, name a person that's broken a Harold Perkins tackle last season. I'll wait. Right? So yeah. when, you, when, you, when you start looking at those kinds of things like, hey, man, that dude's going to be a preseason All-American. We know who Harold Perkins is. It just, it just gives you that vote of confidence that I think you, you would love to see in a year or two under a coach. You mentioned Harold Perkins. He's uh, playing inside linebacker. How has he adjusted to that? And are they still going to hopefully move him all around and make him the guy that, okay, we got to find. Where is he? Where is he? Yeah, I mean, they're going to put him on the outside on third downs. Brian Kelly's mentioned it. John Jancic's mentioned it. But you just got to get him. I mean, Jordan, what's his position? You can't. You cannot keep him on the outside on first and second down. Not right now you can't. He's too much of a liability in the run game in that, in that situation. But he made some good run defenses. He stuffed a couple of runs. I mean, he flatlined Noah Kane. Uh, and he just beat Will Campbell, of all people, to the spot. And you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Will Campbell and, and Harold Perkins at this point. So I, I, he's looked good there. The guy that I think nobody's talking about for me is Omar Spates, the Oregon State transfer right. linebacker. Right, Jordy, they were coming on. They were coming out on all-out blitz, and he just knew. He just instincts told him that I better bail out this blitz because Jane's about to throw it into the flat. Well, exactly what Jane did. He ran down Noah Kane, and he defended a first down, or a third down. It was a third down stop. Jordan, he should have come, like meaning like he should have been on that blitz. But just having the Kane recognition and the talent that he time that LSU saw that was Patrick Queen. There's not a linebacker that LSU's had, Damone Clark included, that has made plays like that. Prime example, when, when Patrick Queen caught the interception against Tua Tagovailoa in 19 yeah. against Alabama. In the postgame, Dave Aranda told people that Patrick Queen was supposed to blitz an audible by himself because Tua had made a check at the line, right? So yeah. those are just those small little instincts that you see in a right. spring game, like those small little flashes that you like to see. You're not going to keep Omar Spates off the field. It, it, it will not happen. So who's going to be that him. other dude? That's a that's yeah. a question you got to find out. That's the question on that position. Now we go to the third tier, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Talk to me about the secondary. So much has been – all the talk has been centered around – the transfer additions, Harris, Alexander, Johnson, Chestnut. Where are we in the secondary, and how confident and comfortable are you with its present shape and form? Better throw the Terrence Welsh into that now. I mean, Jordan, he ran stride for stride with Jalen Brown, the five-star wide receiver out of, out of Miami. And then he, we know who Chris Hilton is. He was stride for stride on the go out with Chris Hilton. And he didn't jam him. Like, it's not like he put his hands on him or anything like that. And he was in man-to-man coverage. He was eight yards off the ball. Um, in reference to the position, I think you're going to have to go into the offseason and figure that out. I don't think that they know yet. Now, Jordy, a lot of this is based off of now, and I just want to be cautious, a lot of this is based off the simple nature that they're in man-to-man coverage across the board. Right? Okay. Meaning – 
Uh-huh. This just goes to show you when LSU did this in 2020 and they got eaten alive doing it, okay, you have really good DBs that when you everybody in the, in the, in the world knows what coverage you're running, quarterbacks and wide receivers can take advantage of that, okay? So I just want to be cautious when everybody says, I'm worried about DB, I'm worried about DB. I'm not worried, Jordy. I'm aware, okay? Because gotcha. from, a stati- from a statistical standpoint, the running game was a bigger issue defensively than it was the secondary. I mean, so LSU secondary, Jordy, only was, it was 21st in passing yards allowed, where LSU was in the 40s when it comes to run defense. It's a massive mm-hmm. difference when you talk about defensive play from how one team is doing or one side of the ball is doing better than the other. Usually they, they correlate a lot of times with one another in good defenses, a.k.a. Bama, Georgia, whatever team you want to throw out there. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just aware of what happened. I'm not, I'm not cautious yet. Right. I, again, it's a spring football game. But I would be right. very, very confident in saying, you know, when LSU had Joe Burrow, he was the best quarterback, but but Bama had really good quarterbacks. Georgia had really good quarterbacks. But I think this year, I think it's leaps and bounds. LSU's quarterback uh, situation is far superior to any other team in this conference. Alabama struggling to find a quarterback. Ole Miss can't pick theirs out. Tennessee lost Hooker. Kentucky lost Levis. I mean, I don't right. think it's even close. You agree? You said quarterback, correct? Quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can disagree with that point, right? Like, I mean, you just can't find me the team and argue it, right? Like, so I'm with you. if you're going to dispute what you just said, meaning the opposite side, Jordan, somebody's going to have to argue that point against you. They're, they can't. Okay, so I like with I like what Georgia's doing. Okay, Jordan, I'm just coming on. If if I would have been in a coma, if I would have been in a coma for one year starting today, and I woke up from that coma, and you told me Blake Georgia won a national title again, and not give me any other like Todd Munkin leaving or nothing, what what would you find to be the difference? You wouldn't. I think Georgia's still a team, though, Jordan. That's the only team that I think. Okay, I saw him. I'm like, all right, back. The DBs, they yeah. don't, they look, <laughs> they just look good. But, Other than that, I but, don't know where or who you can say is going to be better at LSU in that specific area. No, I agree with you. I, I'm with you. I, so when it comes to when push comes to shove, you got the best quarterback in the league. If you have the a, a really good offensive line and a and a really really good defensive line. You're going to win a lot of games. What did you see from the defensive front? I thought that they defended the run really well. I mean, there was only one run that LSU attempted that was the zone read or inside zone. Uh, Here's the biggest takeaway that it had for me, because Mason Smith is not there. Makai Wingo is not there. It's depth. It's depth. They just have depth now. Okay, Jordan Jefferson, the nose tackle from West Virginia, was not there. Jordan's going to play a lot. You're going to play a lot in early downs. Now, who do you take off? I, I don't know. But do you go to an odd man front? Do you, how do you do specific things? He's going to play because he's a run-stuffing machine. Um, but I thought that they looked, they did really well from a 
considering the considering the fact you're going against LSU's mainly first offensive line versus the second D line, uh, they they played really well. Now, the question I know Obia Gofu looked good rushing the passer. They still got to find ways to get that interior pressure because Jane Daniels was and Garrett were lighting them up, mainly due to the fact that you know Jane just stepped up in the pocket and let it rip. Um, that would be my one concern with them. Uh, but again, I mean, you know, well, I, hopefully I, I, that's Mason I, Smith. Hopefully him and Makai Wingo. I mean, Makai Wingo yeah. was second of the team in sacks behind Errol Burke. That's right. Maybe that's tied right. with BJ right. Ojolari. So uh, again. You know, if you have those guys, and you're going to get production, more production from them, simply due to the fact that Makai Lingo is not going to lead the country in snaps. Okay, he right. led the defense. He led the country in defensive snaps taken a season ago. Okay, so again, where the depth is going to be a big thing. I thought Pierre Shan didn't look too bad. The Arizona transfer. I thought that they had some good looking things that they had working on the outside with some pass rush. I thought they looked good, but I. If, you, if you walk away from that spring game and say, hey, man, I, I, you know, I know O-line has been an issue at LSU. And Jordan, they did not. They look phenomenal. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm yeah. just going to call it what it is. They look really good. Now, I'm talking yeah. about the first unit. I'm not talking about the second guys right. with two walk-ons. That first unit looked pretty dang good. Jordan, they didn't have a miscue all day. Who was not the center? Who was the starting they center? Run game, yes, they had, but that was more of a physicality, physicality thing. They picked up every blitz. All 14 of them they picked up correctly. And it's not as if that they sent simple blitzes. They sent outside pressure. They sent inside pressure. One time on third down, they sent the entire house. And with a six-man protection, they picked up all one, but LSU sent seven. So I thought that they both lines of scrimmage did some really good things uh, Saturday. And the most important thing is they all came out of that thing healthy. And then Brian no Kelly hosted a, a, a dinner with Brian Kelly at the supper club for all of his, all the NIL partners. They threw on a big shindig. I didn't get my invitation to that one. Did you? Mm, I, I, well, I'm going to be quiet, but my wife did post that we were at the supper club. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm not okay, joking. Well, I'm not joking. She posted on her Instagram. You can go check it out. I don't follow that stuff. Well, I'm just going to say that's great. That's it's a fun place. Really fun place. We weren't um, there, Jordy. We weren't there. We were there. I know, night. That. I know that. Um, but they're doing all the right <laughs> things. So that that's terrific. So they came out healthy. Um, and they're going to get some new additions here and there. Uh, you can't figure out the running uh, running back room yet until they get everybody healthy and back on the field. So I think that's going to be in capable hands. Golly sakes alive. Other than maybe a, a battle for the kick, whoever's going to kick, uh, I think this team is in good, good shape. So a lot of time to talk about football. We, we are out of time. But as always, buddy, I, I greatly appreciate your honesty and your candor. It is refreshing. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Jordy. See you next week. Are you all right, you got it. That is um, Lake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Uh, 51 minutes after the hour, time to take our final break. That will wrap things up today, set the stage for tomorrow after this. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Buy Ducks. Ducks cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, man. You can't win until you start playing all the great games they have. DC's, Little, Capital, Exxon. Oh, they've got a true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Great food. My favorite, their world-famous cheeseburger. And by Cajun Chef. So many great products. But uh, you do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. Finishing touches to a fun-filled Monday. We saw LSU sweep their baseball series. LSU spring football came out healthy. Everybody's happy. And it's a good, good thing. If today, uh, April 24th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Pair singers on the docket today. Barbara Streisand is 81 years old. Kelly Clarkson is 41 years old. Remember, she was the first American Idol winner. Yeah, how about that? Um, let's see, who else? And from uh, um, Phil Robertson, Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty. He is 76 years old. So happy birthday to all of them. Special thanks to our guest today, Glenn West. Go 247 Sports, Chris Rosevaglu, Boot Crew Media, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, and Blake Rafino, the RU Serious Podcast. Uh, another Black and Gold Report, Saints News Network's Bob Rose will join us, amongst many, many others. Um, James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpberg. Stay thirsty. By all means, stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy, everybody. Coming up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll talk to you and see you tomorrow.